You are now listening to my least favorite part of doing the podcast. I hate doing these intros to these episodes. It just makes me feel so damn silly to sit and talk to myself. However, I suppose they're necessary in some way, shape, or form. It is a good way to let you know what's going on with the podcast. Like all the exciting news. Like yesterday I woke up. <laughs> no, it's good. I like these intros. I just hate doing them. Maybe I'll have somebody else do them for me. That's not a good idea either. Anyways, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. Most likely you can. I am still battling some sort of sinus infection slash ear infection slash excruciating pain hopped up on all sorts of medication for the past week and it's driving me nuts. So I can't really hear myself that well. My left ear is just a constant ring, like super high-pitched ringing. So I have no idea what this is going to end up sounding like, but good luck. I am excited because first off, fall is here. Well, pretty much. Pretty much fall's here. I love fall. I love the cold. I love this time of year. I'm also excited because in just a few weeks, Stephanie and I are road tripping across California, which I am looking forward to that alone, just her and I together. It's going to be a really good time. But we are focusing on the podcast during that time period as well. I've got some really exciting interviews lined up I'm looking forward to. And if you happen to be in California and you're listening to the podcast and you think to yourself, God, I'd really like to be on that podcast. Well, now's your chance. Just hit me up. Let me know. We can chat and see maybe maybe you're a good fit. Maybe you do need to be on the podcast and I do want to talk to you. But go to our website, energyislovepodcast.com and click on the contact tab up top. I think it's relatively easy to find. This episode is brought to you by the Refinery Barbershop located in Springville, Utah. Where's Springville, you ask? That's a great question. It's in Utah County. It's south of Provo. It's south of Salt Lake City. It's north of St. George <laughs> by a long ways. Anyways, if you live in Utah and you need your beard trimmed, your hair cut, maybe you need a nice hot toweled straight razor shave, the whole nine yards, you can get it done at the Refinery Barbershop. It's a cool little spot. Great guys that run and operate this amazing barbershop. One day I will get my beard cleaned up and trimmed again. And when I do, it's going to be there. And maybe, maybe I'm still like, it's still hard for me to say for certain, but there may be a chance one day that I get my hair cut, even though I love my frilly, long, curly hair. But if I do get my hair cut, I will undoubtedly go to the Refinery Barbershop. Not just because they sponsor the podcast, but honestly, it's a kick-ass place. So go to their website. You can find that through ours as well. Go follow them on Facebook and then drive through, head down to Springville, Utah, and check them out. Make sure that when you sit down and get your hair cut, you let them know, hey man, I heard about you guys on the Energy is Love podcast. So new episode. Very, very excited for this episode. First off, we recorded outside. I always like to give that caveat as you listen. You can hear our wonderful neighbor's dogs barking in the background some traffic, all that kind of stuff. But I really like recording outside when I get the chance to. So I, you know, weigh the pros and cons and end up undoubtedly choosing to record outside if it works. So, so keep that in mind. On this episode, we, meaning Stephanie and I, sat down with Sean Pringle and his wife, Jill. Sean, I met over a year ago on the Everyman Expedition. 
him and Jill came out here recently to Utah and we got a chance to hang out and visit over the weekend, kind of drove around, checked out the state. Really, it was just a wonderful opportunity for Sean and I to reconnect in person. We've kept in touch since we went on the expedition, but now we got a chance to hang out again and we got to meet each other's families, which was really, really nice. Like I said, him and I went on the first Everyman Yellowstone expedition last August. It was August of 2000, 2017. Which, if you've listened to the podcast before, you've heard me talk about that expedition. You've heard me talk about every man. We really bonded during that trip. And over the course of the past year, him and I have kept in contact with each other. Uh, We chat periodically. We text back and forth. Sean and Jill live in Kansas City. And we live here in Utah. We both went home and started men's groups as well. So we kind of have this beautiful shared experience that a big part of it was the foundation for our friendship, going on that trip. And then we've both been in the same space of kind of continuing the process of bettering ourselves and going to this weekly men's group, all this kind of different stuff. So it's been a really neat uh, friendship. It's been a neat year. And I'm very, very grateful to have Sean as a friend. And now I'm incredibly grateful that I got the chance to meet his wife and we all got to hang out and they got to meet Steph. And it was just beautiful. I could sit and ramble on. But this is a really cool episode. It was fun, obviously, because we're friends and we got to hang out and bullshit and talk. But one of the neat things was we had uh, Jill and Stephanie kind of talk about the experience of what it was like to have us go on this expedition and the perspective that they took from it and what they have experienced over the course of this past year, given that Sean and I have been kind of in this space, what that's meant for them. So it's really, really kind of interesting and there was a lot of stuff that they talked about that I hadn't even really thought about, even though Stephanie and I talk all the time. But just a different perspective from like the wife's point of view, the partner of somebody that goes out and has some sort of life-changing experience on a retreat or on an expedition or something like that. What is it like for that person when they come back home? But I'll stop rambling. It's a wonderful episode. Sean and Jill, we love you. Thank you so much for taking the time to not only come out here and hang out, which was awesome, but also sit down and record this wonderful episode of the podcast. So everybody sit back and relax and enjoy this wonderful episode with Sean and Jill Pringle. Here we go. You're listening to the Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is the love podcast. The Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is Love podcast. The podcast for the universe. The Energy is Love podcast. I wish I could have just sat here longer to see how long you guys would sit there quietly. <laughs> like, are we supposed to talk now? I'm holding my breath. It's one o'clock now. <laughs> well, that's it. We're ready. We're go. And then more silence. First off... um, so the, you know, before, before the actual episode, I have the little introduction and everything like that. So people have an idea of who you guys are, but take a moment real quick and at least speak something so that people know who the hell's talking when somebody talks. Okay. There you go. That's Sean <laughs> and then his wonderful wife. Go ahead. Uh, I'm Jill. There you go. <laughs> See, that wasn't too hard, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's weird. I know we're sitting in my backyard talking into microphones, It's okay. but it's totally yeah. normal. Do you guys have any ideas what you want to talk about? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's all up to you guys. We're ready. <laughs> Steph and I are all ears. You guys can lead the episode and decide what we talk about. It's going to be totally fine, right? 
<laughs> Hold on, I'm going to go throw up. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll go through the first part. Like I told you, the first question that I ask everybody. Uh-huh. And we'll make it easy. Steph and I'll go first. So, baby, ask me the question and I'll go first. And then I'll ask you the question. That's the other thing. Do you see how I'm looking at her? But I'm still making sure that I lean across the mic. That's an important technical podcasting thing to do there. Go ahead, babe. Well, do you think it's been enough that I can say mental balance or should I still say mental illness? You can say whatever you want. Where do you fall on the spectrum of not like what have you experienced, but or right now, where do you fall on the spectrum for your mental balance? For my mental balance? Because everybody knows where you've been. Give me, <laughs> give me a <laughs> spectrum. Like what's one? What's one? And then what's 10? Um, I'm going to do it a little different. We'll say one is... The negative aspect, you are, what would you say, batshit crazy? Yeah, like miserable, depressed, miserable angry, depressed. bitter. I think that's like a, <laughs> probably like a four. <laughs> I'm, just <kidding. laughs> I'm just kidding. And 10 is blissfully unaffected, just happy, everything's okay, la, 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 which is crap. Okay. Like right now, know. what? I don't think that was a good explanation. Do you like- feel like you're completely... Do you have a healthy balance of both? Or are you more on one spectrum or are you just unaffected by anything? Right now. Yes. Dropping into the present moment of where we're at. Right now, I'm probably eight or nine. Feeling wow. very, very good. Very, very peaceful. Um, I'm very, oh, like I'm at peace with where everything's at right now. Like literally, right? I got to talk to Maddie on the way um, back from Salt Lake got to check in with her a little bit. Um, I know that Stevie and Asher are okay. I know you and I are doing okay. Um, I'm incredibly fucking happy that you guys are here. And for obviously by you guys, I mean the other people that are on the microphones. (laughs) Um, so probably eight or nine right now. Wow. But if we expand outwards from the present moment, even though that's a terrible thing to do, we should just stay in the present. Um, probably like six, seven, eight. Like if I had to pin it down, I'd probably say seven. Let's seven. go with seven. Is that a safe number? I think so. I feel really good. Yeah. By and large, I feel like the things that I have been working on as well as towards when it comes to my own mental well-being and balance, as well as like the overall picture of my uh, physical body, my emotional body, my spiritual body, my sexual body, my mental body, all these different parts that make up who we are super fucking balanced in it very much in the space of peacefulness and happiness and harmony for the most part. Okay. So that's me. That's where I'm at. Good job. Now it's your turn, baby. And we're going to use the same spectrum for everybody just to make it easy. That's not how you ask your question. I just asked it that way for you because you talk about it every episode. You would say, where do you like, what types of mental illnesses do you or have you suffered from is what you would say. Okay. Well, you, you've been on the podcast before, obviously. So I should do the same. Yeah, do the same. Um, Right now, present moment. I'm a little distracted with other things going on. Um, I can't say your number because then it sounds like I'm copying you. So I'm going to go one up. I'm going to say eight. (laughs) Okay. Not a seven. I'm an eight. I'm a leader, not a follower. <laughs> um, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. I'm pretty content, happy. Big things coming. I'm super excited for this weekend. I'm just feeling 
really well. But as you would say, spread out, not just in the present moment, I'm kind of taking a hit on self-worth. So I'm feeling pretty, I've been feeling pretty down and just being a little hard on myself. So overall, I would probably, you know, I think that kind of makes me balanced. Would I be about a five then? Because I'm enjoying the moment. I know how to enjoy the moment. I have recognition of where I've kind of taken a nosedive. So I want to ask you. I'm, I'm pretty balanced. You are pretty balanced. I'm going to go try the hoverboard. <laughs> <laughs> when you take a hit on your self-worth mm-hmm. and when you struggle in that space, how does it manifest? And I don't mean mm-hmm. in like, you know, what it causes you to feel or do, but like if we're just going to throw some quick, easy labels on it, how does that manifest in your mental well-being and in your in your space. Do you know what I'll I mean? Like, no, because all I can think of is like how I feel and how I react to that feeling. Okay, but that's but, not what you mean. But like, does it trigger anxiety? Does it trigger depression? Does it trigger, um, you know, chaotic thoughts in your head that spiral I, out? I think that's what you told me not to describe. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it does. Um, I do get anxious. I also get withdrawn and I feel like super kind of on edge. And, like, I have to get my mind off of it, so I'll make myself super busy and chaotic with other things and want them to be done perfect and just kind of feel, which I didn't realize that I had that controlling aspect of it. I didn't realize that that was one of my big ones. They talk about um, distraction, pleasing, um, controlling. There was one more. I can't remember. But I thought controlling was my least amount because I'm not. I just, you know want to make happy or distract some very pleasing very distracting but and withdrawn that's the other one withdrawn but I now see that when my anxiety goes I want things to to try and be as perfect for everybody around or I have a way that I think it should go to make it easier and if it doesn't then it kind of throws me or if something doesn't get done then it's like ah then I have to do what I should have done it myself so I feel like everything kind of spins I get a little chaotic good deal Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Okay, Sean and Joe, who wants to go first? Sean can. (laughs) Okay, Sean. So the big question is, what mental illness or uh, struggle with mental health and well-being do you experience and deal with, whether it's in the present moment or throughout your life? Um, Throughout my life, it's been depression. That's That's the looming thing that's been present pretty much since I can remember. It comes and goes heavier and lighter, and right now I think it's it's a lot lighter than it has been like in the past 10 years, but it's the thing that shows up most consistently. So I want to challenge you. Describe that more, because depression is a really safe one to talk about. It's one that people typically feel comfortable admitting to, because it's kind of one of those mental illnesses that we accept in society. But how does it show up for you and how has it in the past? It, um, it, lack of motivation, um, low self-worth, um, just kind of, I guess the, when I was deep in it before I just came out of it, the, you know, this recently over this past year, it was lots of just feeling done with everything just like I don't I'm not motivated to succeed I'm not motivated to better my life I'm not 
yeah, I'm not motivated to learn. And one of the one of the things I I know when I've what coming out of the depression is I get excited to learn. Um, I get excited to do things. I get excited to move around. Um, so the depression, it just it the depression takes away motivation. I think that's a big one. Motivation and self worth. It's just you don't. It's just constant despair and just you're just over it just like that's i guess that's the the best description i can i just felt over it like you just want it to end so you don't have to deal with this anymore yeah were you living that way for the most part yes like by and large for the past 10 years or so um probably the past two years is where when it really ramped up um before that it was just like whatever just going about my life because i have to you know i mean it's it it was never bad enough i didn't like support myself or in part of the support of our family and stuff like that but i was just motivated enough to participate in society enough <laughs> you know to you know yeah just do what you had to do to kind of exist and survive yeah and uh kind of so to make it so like my family didn't worry like my parents and just try to put up that front you know and just everything's fine you know yeah is that the only thing that you can think of throughout your life that you've uh, dealt with um i i get a little bit of anxiety i don't think i've ever had an anxiety attack but i definitely get anxious about situations um that are some the seemingly stressful to me, I guess I don't know where I'm going with it. like things that stress me out are things I don't think should stress people out. So that's well, what, give us an that, example. Like recently, what's something that has caused you some stress? Maybe like having company at the house. Like, what are they gonna th- like? Is our house clean enough? Is it? Is it? Is it like? I don't know. I I worry about what people think of me. Like I I like to think of myself as somebody who doesn't care. But I totally do. Yeah. And that was me this whole week, man. Yeah. <laughs> this whole week I was a nervous wreck. Yeah. Like we did some deep cleaning. What was it Friday? Yeah. Like our house looks nice and clean, right? Mm-hmm. Totally doesn't fucking look like that normally. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like we went, you know, we weren't scrubbing walls or anything. Well, some of us were. Steph did scrub some walls. But um, like I was very, very much in that space of anxiety and stress over you guys coming and visiting. And I'm was so incredibly happy and excited for it but my anxiety and my stress levels were taken away from me just being happy and excited i still had that happy feeling and i was looking forward to seeing you but i was so caught up in the stress and anxiety of it because i wanted you guys to feel comfortable i wanted you guys to um enjoy your time i want you know i didn't want you to like go to bed at night and be like fuck man this is the biggest waste of time why do we like who the fuck is craig and this is so stupid like all those things that we play through our own heads that obviously other people never think about us you know (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah i had some massive anxiety this week over just the simplest thing of you know a good friend coming out and visit and spending a few days yeah yeah that's one thing i found over the past year when i've kind of been diving into the things that have you know, that have made me depressed. I've been working on just digging up the dirt and getting rid of it type of thing. And that's one of the things I realized is I'm very afraid of judgment. Uh, I don't, I'm not necessarily sure where that 
comes from, but I'm just, I, I feel like the world is judging me all the time and I, I'm not really sure why. I mean, it's, it, I'm almost positive it's not that way, but my mind won't just let it go. Do you still kind of feel that? Yeah. 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 That's a big thing, man. Yeah. We could talk an entire episode about that. That's <laughs> yeah. a big thing. But Jill, yes. it's your turn. Okay. So same question. Where have you struggled over your life? What do you deal with? Have you ever been clinically diagnosed? Any of those kind of things? Um, no, just working on stuff now with doctors and counselors and stuff to try to figure out. But mine is definitely the depression, the like anxiety for sure. I mean, I've put myself, I've taken myself to the ER a couple of times just for panic attacks, like back in college and stuff, thinking that I for sure was having a heart attack or something, but it was just straight up panic attack. So I would say depression and anxiety for sure. Once again, the two safest things to talk about in society today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, mine includes like binge eating and like comfort foods and like organization if if our house starts getting chaotic then i start feeling like it's a downward spiral Mm -hmm. and so i have to start putting things away and like folding up blankets and so some obsessive compulsive behavior i wouldn't say it's not the compulsive side of having to you know touch a door handle so many times or whatever but it's more or less like my mind will constantly race at night and like I have to now sleep with like a sleep eye thing on. So if I do wake up in the middle of the night, I can trick myself into thinking that my eyes are still closed. So my mind won't start racing. So I do things to try to help myself with it. But How long has your mind done that? Oh, a long time. A long a time. A long time. Like back in high school, it was really, really bad in early college. Um, and then kind of just accepted it as an adult which is why I'm going to counselors and stuff now because the company that I work for actually does this thing where through the insurance, they'll give you seven free counseling sessions. Uh So that's a huge thing because seven a year or something like that. Yeah. Cause on your own, even with insurance, it's like a hundred bucks, Yeah, you know? So the company that I work for actually deals with, uh, like mental illness. So they're way behind people getting help and reaching out if you need help. Which is nice. That's really nice. Yeah. So. If you're okay with it, I want to talk more about your brain racing mm-hmm. and not being able to shut it off. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Um, keep in mind, because I told you before we started recording too, that like this isn't live, obviously. Right. So I could ask you a question right now and you could be like, this is the most horrible situation I've ever been in and I don't want to talk anymore. <laughs> and then we'll just edit that part out of the podcast and it's uh-huh. not a big deal. Okay. But you talked about that that kind of got really intense in high school and going into college, did you have something that took place or some experience that maybe not really clearly you could label and class, you know, like pinpoint, like, yes, this was a traumatic experience. And then after that I had X, Y, and Z, but did you have anything that kind of happened? Maybe it was really obvious. Maybe it was a traumatic experience. And then this is kind of the manifestation of how you've coped with it. Or maybe it's a series of small things because trauma is different for everybody, right? Right. What causes me trauma is going to be different than what causes you trauma. And there's no like wrong or right way. So the fact that you have some, um, uh, manifestations of how you coping and dealing with your mental well-being, do you know what I mean? That doesn't mean that you're doing it the wrong way or whatever. It's just, it is, it is what it is. 
But can you think if there's something, and maybe it's even earlier than that, that's just when it started to kind of manifest? I don't know. I mean, I think it was, I didn't have any like life-changing thing that happened except like mid-college. But like when I was younger, it was just more or less of like the bullying where I was bullied quite a bit. And then when we moved, I turned into the bully to just kind of get to it before people got to me kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So I don't know if it was more or less like going into high school that and that that kind of pressure reminding you of when you were younger, maybe. But I mean, I remember, I mean, we used to skip school all the time and I would just like leave school and it got to the point where I couldn't even go through a car wash because I felt like super claustrophobic and just really like just wasn't a good place and just, I don't know. I mean, I think it was just growing up and not having an outlet and not not being able to be in a school system where people actually like reached out for stuff like that. It was very manicured lawns, very high status neighborhood and school district that we went to. So I don't know. Everybody just kind of put lipstick on a pig and dealt with it. Uh, you said you moved. Mm-hmm. How old were you? A 10. 10. And mm-hmm. was it like a big move across the state, across the country? It was a state. Mm-hmm. We moved from, well, I was born in St. Louis and then in second Nah, fourth grade, we moved to Chicago, and then in fifth grade, or something like that, maybe third grade, but in fifth grade, we moved to Kansas, and we've been there forever. Okay. So you were 10 years old, and Mm -hmm. you kind of had a big move. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a big thing, Jill. Mm -hmm. Like, that's something that can undoubtedly cause some trauma in a life of a child, right? Right. And some mix-up, and especially when you have some other things compounding upon it. Yeah. Right? Did your parents... I love you to death. You're Sean's wife, and I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> um, did your parents get divorced at any point? No. No? Good, for the most part, uh, stable home? Yeah. I mean, it was it was fine. Yeah? You know, I mean, I never had to worry. If anything, I mean, I made their lives worse. <laughs> so it wasn't like... So you can't internalize it like that, though. <laughs> but it's true. That part is true. It's really not, though. <laughs> like, at least coming from the perspective of a parent. Right. Like, yes, our children have definitely gone through periods of time where they have made our life a living hell. Right. And they have undoubtedly made our life more difficult. Yeah. But even though you might contextually look at it like that, like, you never really feel that. You yeah. always feel heartbroken that they are experiencing what they're experiencing, and you feel helpless to help them. Well, my thing, I think, is just that, I mean, I had a totally fine growing up. I always had what I wanted. I never had to question whether or not my parents loved me, you know, even my dad, which is a little harder for, you know, dad and daughters, you know, but I mean, I never, ever had to question anything like that. I just think my brain just works differently. And I think that's like the bottom line. I'm so excited. (laughs) Can you, like, there's a ton there. Yeah. Like, you have so much there that we could dive into and pick apart on a fucking podcast. However, I don't want to I do love that. Your reaction. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, get her. <laughs> I don't want to do that unless you're comfortable. And we don't even have to do that if you are comfortable. No, I mean, it's fine because, and then you can just edit out all the weirdness anyway so well i want to ask everybody another question a follow-up question to this question because it's kind of funny we all talked in some way shape or form about how we have depression and anxiety and like i said i've done this enough now not the podcast itself but asking people this question that that is 
the safest thing that people will talk about. They will always feel comfortable to talk about the little bit of a depression that they've had throughout their life. And every now and then I got a little bit of anxiety when in fact they have like immense fucking anxiety that's debilitating that stems from like trauma and abuse and suicidal thoughts and perhaps even, you know, all these other kind of things and the way that they manifested. And it's like, like if we're going to take those two things, depression and anxiety, and we'll put them on the same spectrum, like people are always in the, you know, three, two and one way on the far end of the spectrum where they're like in the thick and in the midst of it as opposed to like "Eh, six or seven i'm okay what baby you kicked my hand i was trying to stay out of the way and i'm trying to dodge the sun i was waiting to light this when there was a break so if it was too you could edit it (laughs) you can light you can like light that thing on fire baby let your fire burn back i saw i was gonna comment i was like trying to be really yeah. And obvious about flicking it off. Well, he saw that you were sitting down again to record like a podcast. Friend. So he came because you had so she much fun. She was nice to me last time. <laughs> um, okay, so that question that I want to ask, because we're all comfortable now. We're a little bit in the flow of the episode and we're a little comfortable now. So what's the thing that you, not like the absolute thing that you would not want to talk about, but like... We'll keep it in the context of like mental well-being and mental health. What's the thing that in the back of your mind, you're like, yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Does that make sense? Like you got to have something. You got to have something that you don't want to say. I mean, I don't have that much to say, so there's probably not. Well, there's a lot in that sentence. (laughs) (laughs) You have a lot to say. You have a voice. And it's worthy and it's worthwhile and it's important. Sometimes you got to drag it out. Yeah, that's okay. I'll go first. So like the one thing that I really don't like talking about and the one thing, not the one thing, there's a lot of things I really don't like talking about. So let me think. Hmm. I love you, Stephanie. I was being quiet. No, no, I wasn't saying I love you because of your... uh, flip-flop taking off get comfortable very quiet I'm i told like, you to get comfortable before we started i was comfortable and, and then, then the, the sun, sun is like oh so we'll take like, a minute and shift i'm trying quietly <laughs> take your time it's the thing we'll i want to talk about is it yeah he's much less anal now <laughs> okay <laughs> it's really good <laughs> are you good baby the minute you get it's like smoke from a fire the minute you move to another spot, it's going to come right back up your nose. We need, a, we need a big umbrella. I know. I'll try to... You guys are in the okay. nice shady spot, though. S- yeah, stay yeah, this is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, we did that on purpose. So the thing that okay. I don't like talking about, um, I don't have an issue talking about my mental health and the things that I've struggled with. However, I don't like talking about some of the ways that it's manifested over my life. I don't like talking about the things that... Um, oh, just that, just the way that it has my coping mechanisms and the ways that I've dealt with it over my life because I have so much shame surrounding it. And that's the stuff that I don't like talking about. And right now in the, like, as I'm speaking these sentences, I'm still trying to like beat around the bush Mm -hmm. and come up to the safe spot of me being able to figure out exactly what I'm going to say so that it's somewhat safe when in reality it's like, I don't feel good. (laughs) I don't feel good. I'm getting a little anxious. I don't talk about this, but um, like I'm afraid. I'm afraid right now. I don't want to talk. I don't want to speak. So what do I do? Speak. Speak. 
That's a lot of help, baby. <laughs> what are you not saying? <laughs> um, no, the ways that my, the ways that my, um, uh, my struggles throughout my lifetime in regards to my mental well-being and my mental balance and my, my, I mean, really, really at the core of it, it's my self-worth and how I see myself and the ways that I have been destructive in that space has come through, um, like, like little things as a child, like self-mutilation, like burning myself or, um, punching things. I used to pride myself that I could like punch things really, really hard, like, like hard things like brick walls or, do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I could lay into them and have bloodied knuckles and still be like, see, I'm strong. I didn't break my hand. Like I have worth, I have value and I can uh, impress people with my ability to punch things, which I would not recommend. That's not a good way to impress people. <laughs> Most of the time people are just like, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? <laughs> you know, could break my shit. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so that's one way. That's one way. And obviously there's a lot more that I'm not saying. But that's an example of something that, um, <laughs> uh, that's, that's the question. What, what, what do you feel super resistant to speaking? Anybody can go. I, I don't know. I guess the thing that I'm kind of ashamed of is, um, that I've discovered is that when I'm, when things manifest in me, I take it out on the people that I love. And, you know, like Jill or my parents, I've, I went through a phase where I was just really angry at my mom for no reason whatsoever, other than the fact that I was just unhappy and I figured she could take it. Um, but yeah, usually, and one thing that I've discovered over this past year is some things that make me angry right off the bat are things that I don't like about me. Like if, if Jill does something and it pisses me off, if I take a second and think about why it pissed me off it's because I do that same thing and I don't like that I do it and so I've the thing that I've really discovered lately that I was you know and that I hate I hate it when I get mad at her because I know it's something I don't like about me that's this usually comes up yeah that she's kind of displaying for you yeah you know like she'll do something and be like God, I hate it when you do that and what it's really going on is no you hate it when you do that <laughs> Do you feel shame for treating the people that you love that way? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Shame is so thick. Like it's one of those things that I think it's just an emotion and it's just a label, but it's one of those things that we carry so much, right? Like some things we can let go of and some things we can kind of drop by the wayside, but it's like shame itself is this fucking monster that latches onto your back and like digs its claws in and no matter how hard you fight against it, it just like laughs maniacally in your ear. And it's like, sorry, I'm not going anywhere. You can keep thrashing around and rolling around and doing whatever you want, but I'm staying here for the long haul. It's a hard one, I think, to be free from. And free probably isn't even the right way. It's a hard one to accept. Yeah. Yeah. Accept it within ourselves. So, Jill, what's the thing you don't want to talk about? I don't know. I mean, I really don't think I have anything that... I don't want to talk about, like, I don't think I have any huge skeletons or anything like that. So that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. If we asked Sean the same question in regards to you, what would he say? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> I don't want to talk about anything. Cause I bet you anything he's got one right on the tip of his tongue. Yeah. I would be interested in hearing it. 
I actually don't. <laughs> I was just curious to see what you were going to say. I was just, I, I was leaving it wide open. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that there's much that's abnormal about anything that I, well, and not to say that anything would be abnormal, but. I think there's a lot you don't say, but I don't know that you know you're not saying it. Yeah. Because I know you're hiding a lot of deep, you're hiding a lot deep down inside and I think it goes back to the bullying and I think it's a lot with your self-worth and your and and stuff like that I know there's stuff deep deep down inside that you have a hard time dealing with so you just ignore it (laughs) I just smile (laughs) (laughs) so let me ask you like when you everybody has internal dialogues and Uh tapes that we roll through our head all the time right and uh, this is the one side effect uh, recording outside is our neighbor's wonderfully beautiful, sweet, amazing Yappers. dogs that yeah. we we can't. They, they go off like at five in the morning. Uh, sometimes four. Yeah. Awesome. yeah, we can relate. Yeah. yeah, it's terrible. We have very, yeah. very nice neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the question for you. In your internal dialogue and the things that run through your head, when you stand and look in the mirror, you're getting ready in the morning. What do you typically say about yourself? What do you typically see? Oh, I don't know. Just, I don't. I mean, like, I just kind of go through and just like, uh, whatever. Like, just, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I just think just nor- ordinary, just average, just like, okay, going to work. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm over, I'm over the stages of, like, worrying about looks and stuff like that, like I did when I was younger. So now it's more of like, eh, you know, screw it. Like, nobody really looks at you the way that you think people look at you. So you have to understand that, like, like if you get ready in the morning and you feel like you're put together, then that's good enough for you, I feel. Because half the time people walk by me, you know, and somebody will be like, oh, my God, did you see them? I'm like, what? No, like, I wouldn't even know there was a person there because I just don't pay attention to things like that. So. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's just not much. I did not go on a retreat. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, like a year lapped. So. Okay. Next time I go on one, I'm inviting you. I'm like, chill, come on. Come with me. Baby, what's the thing that you don't want to speak? That I don't want to speak? Yeah. Um. I was kind of focused on Jill for a minute. I know. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't want to speak about how much I failed, how much I failed as a parent, how much um, my kids have to try and overcome and now is there issues in their life for them to deal with because of my choices, because I wasn't strong enough. Um, I definitely don't want to speak about the ways that I allow others to, I guess, punish me 
So if I feel like I'm not doing enough to punish me, whether it's, you know, I've had the same with binge eating or the opposite of that or like scrubbing myself. There's also, you know, younger, I had self-mutilation issues, but um, feeling so unworthy that willing to take just about anything because that's pretty much all I'm worth. So letting my heart hurt way more than anybody should let their heart hurt because why not? It's what you deserve. I don't like that. I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you did a great job talking about it, baby. It's so funny listening to you. I'm just like, I just want to like love you, hug you, make you feel better and tell you how none of that stuff is really applicable and how strong you are and all those kind of different things. And you know that, and you, I know, am and you know that I know that and all that kind of stuff, but it's important too to sit in your shit sometimes. It's uncomfortable to sit in my shit. It is. It's <laughs> like all fidgety now and like, Ooh, no eye contact with anybody. <laughs> if I hold really still, nobody will see me. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I love it. And it's, I love that uncomfortable space. And it's so silly too, because like we're friends and we're just sitting here. Like there's nothing, there's nothing uncomfortable about this space other than the words that we're sharing and the things that we're feeling. But because we suck at it so bad, that's probably wrong. I don't think we suck at it so bad because it's uh, a space that typically we all struggle in. Um, That's what makes it uncomfortable. Yeah. But literally, it's just words and feelings. Like, it's nothing, you know, I'm not threatening anybody. I'm not. Thank God we're not brick walls. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing you're not a brick wall, baby. <laughs> I haven't punched anything in a long time out of anger. I've wanted to. There's definitely been times when I've had, like, that same sensation and feeling come up. What was funny, too, is I even remember... um there were times that I would do it when I wasn't even angry. It wasn't even an anger thing. It was just a, uh, an outlet, a manifestation of whatever I was not feeling. Right. So even if it was sadness or even if it was loneliness or, um, uh, some of those other feelings I'm having a hard time come up with, but it wasn't always just like rage that it manifested as it was a lot of times more or less just pain. And I mean, rage probably just covers up pain, right? And so it was interesting to see how it would kind of come up and manifest. But a lot of it too was just like wanting people to think that I was cool and wanting people to think that I was tough and wanting acceptance from people and recognition. And this was the only way I did a ton of things growing up simply to be seen. Mm -hmm. I was like the crazy kid that would do whatever, you know, jump off of this and climb that. And I have a really good friend of mine. We grew up together and when we got our driver's licenses, we used to take girls in the car. That sounds terrible if I just left it there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, teenage kids and whatever, and all the girls hop in the backseat and we go drive around town and we used to take them outside of town. It's getting better, right? Hashtag don't try this at home, kids. Yeah, definitely don't try this at home. Um, but we'd go outside of town where there's the big long stretch of open road and I'd start driving and I'd get going like 60, 70, 80 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. And then I would tap him on the leg and that was like our signal between the two of us. Mm -hmm. And I would climb out of the car and he would slide over into the driver's seat and I would climb on the roof of the car 
and we'd have the windows down, the front passenger windows, so I could hang on to those windows. But then I would like fling my legs off to this side on the driver's side and then fling my legs off this way and hang down over into the uh, like windshield so that it could see me and then vice versa and sit there and ride on top of the car while we're, you know, doing 80 miles an hour down the road just so that people thought that I was cool and I was accepted. Like, obviously at the time, that's not that's what I thought it was. Do you blame Teen Wolf for that? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely blame Teen Wolf. I blame Teen Wolf and my mother because my mother used to encourage urban surfing. <laughs> she did? <laughs> like we had a, we had a big mini, not a minivan, but uh, like a VW Bug, those big, you know, they don't even make those anymore, but um, the big vans. Oh yeah. And she used to let us get up on top of that. Not when she was driving. But like in the driveway, right. we'd get up there and play Teen Wolf and yeah. like pretend and things like that. But that's just an example of the kind of stupid shit that I used to do, literally just so that people would, um, so that I would feel like people would accept me for who I was because deep down inside, I didn't feel like I was worthy of acceptance and worthy of love. And, you know, even just in the basic form of like, nobody's going to want to be my friend. I don't bring anything to the table as far as friendship or what I can offer to the group of friends. So I have to be the wild, crazy guy that, you know, is the life of the party and can do whatever. Yeah. And really all I wanted to do was like hang out and like, please just love me. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll move on. That's a great segue, babe. <laughs> Drop the mic. Bam. Sorry. <laughs> we'll move on from mental health in some way, shape, or form so that we don't sit here in this uncomfortable awkwardness of what we're feeling and not speaking. One of the things that I wanted to do, because in the uh, intro to the episode, I talk a little bit about you and me, Sean, and how we met and things like that so people have some context and whatnot. But um, I want I want our wives to describe every man, and I want our wives to describe what we went on from their perspectives, as well as I want them to describe, I want them to describe the experience that they had from our experience, our shared experience and what we've done right. and what we did. And also over the course of the last year, because we both came home from the expedition and started men's groups. We're both still in that space of bettering ourselves and working the process and trying to, you know, be all that we can be when it comes to right. people in general. So if you guys are cool with that, yeah, is that okay? And I don't care how you do it. You can take turn, you can talk together, but Sean and I are going to shut up and you guys are going to describe what it was like, or first off, describe what the hell it is that Sean and I did from your perspective. <laughs> you want to go? Okay. You went on an expedition. You went on a boy's hike up in the mountains and played with fire. And I need to move because my mic's not good. I'm just kidding. Um, it was, uh, I guess from my perspective, to sum it up, it was a way to connect with yourself and other guys that put you out away from everything to where I guess, like, you had to rely on each other and your own abilities to go through. Um, and just not having distractions of life and families and work and chaos and city. It was just nature. So you had no choice basically. Well, I guess it's still a choice, but it threw you into disconnecting from all the distractions and really honing in on yourself. Kind of, I guess the way I would describe it. Um, and you want me to do a 
talk about like more like what it was like when you came back or what I expected or what shifts or yeah, like yeah. how much? Yeah, just the, you know, just the whole experience. The and whole the, experience? Not the whole experience. Talk but like, about the whole experience <laughs> if you want, but it's a lot. <laughs> Go ahead, baby. Go ahead? Yeah. All right. You guys comfy? Mm -hmm. Yeah? <laughs> okay. Well, Jill, how, how would you describe the expedition? Well, I would say for Sean, it was probably like his last chance to get help, I think, because just through going counseling and getting on prescription meds and things like that, like nothing was really working. Um, but he always wanted to be outdoors and he was outdoors like as a kid. So it was kind of his way is like, okay, I'm just going to go back and hit restart and kind of do it over. And I think that the expedition in itself was probably a good thing because, you know, when you're hiking and you're just kind of talking to people randomly and, and shit can come out. And instead of having to sit around a table or sit on a couch for an hour and do one-on-one -on -one sessions, it was probably easier to be distracted. So I think in terms of if guys are looking for help, that it's not this kumbaya kind of everybody sit around and always talk about your feelings and stuff. It's just normal conversation, I felt. That's the gist I got. Okay. <laughs> Long, awkward silence. <laughs> it was funny you said that, that we didn't, you know, always just sit around and talk about our feelings. And I think we did, yeah, for the most part. But, but <laughs> so not in like, but not, but in a very yeah, very different way than you would think. kind of way, instead of in a very safe way, in a very open way, in a free way, uh, in a way that I had never really experienced before. I'd got small doses of it before, but to have an extended period of time with so many different men, where it didn't matter if I was talking to this person or to that person. That was the context of the conversation. That was the undertone of what was taking place. Being in that uh, like mental state, that emotional state of connection and communication, both internally and externally. And so, yes, we, you know, obviously there were other things that were discussed and other topics and other things that were shared and things like that. But by and large, it, it was basically like we just sitting around talking about our emotions, regardless of where we were at, whether we were hiking or walking or taking a break or by the campfire or whatever. Right. It was always like, how are you feeling? Uh, this is how I'm feeling. <laughs> so, but it's way different than I think, you know, people, especially men in general, I'm sure well, would yeah. think of it. In a more, you know, to be terribly, terrible descriptive of just being like in a manlier sense, maybe. Is what, because society does say men can't cry, men can't talk about feelings, men are just supposed to provide and suck it up and, and whatever. And it's okay for a woman to be that way, but a more accepting environment, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So baby, what else were you going to say? Because that's kind of your guys' take on the experience, but what, what, what's your take on the aftermath <laughs> the fallout. <laughs> Day one. <laughs> um, well, we were not good. You know, we had gone through stuff. We were trying. We hadn't given up. Um, neither of us were in a good place in ourselves or with each other. And I remember you talking about it and hearing that and thinking, like, that's, you know, that's something you should do. 
and you would bring it up every once in a while and then kind of like would let it go. It was just kind of something in the background and all the excuses that we come up with for why it's not going to work. And remember we were in the garage and (laughs) we were in the garage and I asked you like any more on that and you had been thinking about, I don't remember if you had it on your phone or not. I guess that doesn't matter, but being really excited about it and trying to come up with a way to go. And so I knew like you had to go, knew you had to go. So I, while you were doing your thing, I went in the house and came up with a way. And, um, I did not expect us to stay together after you went. Like I knew you had to go. I knew you needed it. And I knew that I was saying goodbye to you. See, I remember you sharing that at some point afterwards. Yeah. And like, that's so fucking hard to hear. You know, I hate that you had to feel that way and that you had to experience that because that wasn't ever a thought in my mind. Like it wasn't like I was going to go have this experience and then come home and divorce my wife and change my life completely in some different way. What? Both of our, um, both of our willingness to stay was on the table in my mind. And I knew you weren't happy. I wasn't happy. You know, I didn't know how, you know, I, I had thoughts, but of things being one way and beliefs that they were the other and they were totally the other, but I knew that like, that was it, you know, but I wanted, that was like the one thing I could do for you was encourage you to go to this. And, um, I was, I knew you would get amazing things from it. I knew you would come back different. Um, I believed that it was going to be changing for you. And I don't know if I use the word healing in a sense. I'm not implying that you were broken, but, you know. Uh, There were definitely some broken parts. There were some pieces that, you know, weren't placed together. (laughs) Yeah, like if you'd have taken an x-ray of my emotional body, (laughs) the doctor would have been like, I don't even know where to fucking start. (laughs) Like you got shit all over the place. It's not connected. That part, like how are you even walking right now? (laughs) Well, I I don't think you should be so hard on yourself. (laughs) Um, That's the reality. You know, you were doing your absolute best. So it's not the reality because if that's the case, you wouldn't have been trying and you never stopped trying. You were doing your absolute best from, you know, what you had. Um, and then you came back and, you know, I was, I was ready for the next phase in my life. I didn't know what the next phase was in your life, but I was, you know, very prepared to just be open to see what was going to happen and how we were going to, but I was also, you know, I was prepared to not live that way anymore because it wasn't working for either of us. And all of a sudden, you know, you talked to me with your heart. You came out and you showed up and you shared and expressed your experiences. And it was just such a different way to talk to you. Such a different way. I felt like I was talking to you like, Oh, hi. I know you. It's nice to see you. <laughs> um, 
to see your your drive and so it it shifted now I love you so much and you asked my take so your shift of your motivation which you, you're always you're motivated you have dips of where you're feeling stuck and things but you are always motivated no matter what it is you're always going for something but your motivation before was always going to like how can I be seen like urban surfing how can I be seen where yeah. am I going to have acceptance from this group and this group how can I get my fulfillment from other people validating my worth so I'm going to put everything on my motivation so I can get seen and validated from this and anything else just gets thrown to the side and your motivation shifted from that to oh, I'm going to I'm going to work on me I'm going to do this and not only am I going to work on me and do this but I know how to help. I know how to help other guys and not in a, hey, look at me, I'm fancy and I know what you need. Controlling thing. It was, I know what it's like to be there and yours may be different and yours may be different, but I'm going to work on me and I want to help you work on you and to see that. So that motivation just became so heart driven and so beautiful and you've just taken it from there. It's like, I, I love what it's done <laughs> i i love that you get to see you yeah. you you cover them up i could still see parts but yeah we use yeah. that we use that kind of metaphor a lot in our conversations between each other stephanie and i do <clears throat> how much her and i hide not just from each other but from ourselves and kind of from the world around us and how much we try to hide and it's like oh yeah you don't need to hide <laughs> like just recently I mean, we won't go into it because it's a long story, but just recently it was like the same thing of like, she doesn't need to hide, you know, she doesn't need to cover up. She doesn't need to protect herself and hide away from life and from love and experiences and all that kind of stuff. But maybe that was beautiful. You did a wonderful job of, thank you very much. It made me feel very good. It made me, made me feel a lot in the context of you describing that and uh, sharing your experience. So thank you. So Jill. <laughs> What, what did you see, what was your, uh, takeaway? Um, like you talked about beforehand where you thought this was like Sean's last chance mm -hmm. to get some help, to find some peace, to, you know, whatever it may be. And so what was it like after he came home? I would say things were, I mean, they were obviously better because he was trying to live in the moment more and be appreciative of what was going on around him. Um, definitely realized to look at himself a little bit more in his feelings about things. Like when he was saying earlier about like, if something makes him mad, it might be something about himself. But I mean, I still can make him mad. Like everything I know that, cause I know that some things I see in him are like, I would never do that. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think it did. I think it, it changed his outlook. He definitely did a 180 on terms of that. Um, of not being depressed anymore. Um, and I mean, I hope this is okay to say, but as much as, as great as that was, that was also super hard on me because I think that one of the things that that retreat left out was the fact that only one person in the relationship was working on something and they don't tell you like how different they are going to be and how the same you are going to be and your life kind of just changes and and he was just on this path of like 
I'm going to do better. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to read this. I'm going to watch this. And this is the way it's going to be. And I was like, but I, I want to eat macaroni. I want to, you know, like, <laughs> like, what are you doing? What do you mean we can't order pizza anymore? This is bullshit. I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. So, I mean, he was, I mean, it's, it's been amazing. And it, I would say there were times that it helped our marriage and, gotten to the point to where, okay, we're obviously on different pages. What the fuck are we going to do? Because if you're going to continue like rocketing into space, I need something and not you telling me I can help you. I need something on my own to get there because you got there on your own. And while you've had this great (laughs) experience, I need to figure out something that's going to work for me. Um, and I'm not trying to downplay anything on on Sean's thing. I mean, it it did wonders for him, and just him being more appreciative of his parents and dealing with me and outside people. Um, but it's been a huge struggle being the wife of somebody too that had this amazing experience and. And I went to Target that week, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, so I think that's different. a really, really good point, you know. And it's definitely something that, as you speak it, as soon as you speak it, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I don't yeah. even know if it's something that I really necessarily gave a lot of thought to, not in a you know dicky, inconsiderate way. Right. But that's a really good point that you're gonna have some experience like we shared, like that we went on, and the people that are back home went to Target. Yeah. Like. You know, I literally the, went to Target as well, too. probably <laughs> like four times. <laughs> and so their life isn't isn't going to, you know, take a fast track or you know, yeah, that but that's that's a really good. I hadn't even thought about that. And as soon as she spoke, you know, said it to him, I was like, oh yeah, like I can definitely see the context in our relationship and our life and the way that. Do you know what I mean? Like there was there was a good couple of months after I came back where. I was very much trying to um, force this new way of feeling, being, thinking, communicating, living, uh, th- you know, all, all of these type of things, force that kind of stuff onto you, Steph, mm-hmm. wanting, wanting that same response from you, not just because I love you and I want what's best for you and I think that this is such a massive way of kind of moving through life. But also, like, I want that interaction. I want that feedback, right? Like, we talked about how, you know, we had a week in in Yellowstone and we were hiking around. And the majority of it was extremely close, connected communication with other people. And, yes, they happened to be men. And, yes, they happened to be strangers. But that was the beautiful part of it, that it didn't matter. And coming home and wanting that, Mm -hmm. right? But then, yeah, the you know, the significant other or whoever who's sitting back at the house or is waiting for you when you come home, not being in that same space and not having the foundation and the skill set or even just the the experience itself to draw from. Because I know that I just continually drew from the experiences of what I had on the expedition. And it's like, Steph didn't have any of those experiences. She didn't have any of that to draw from. And, you you know, we could talk about it as much as we want and I could share the experience and tell you about it and talk to you about all the different things that took place, but it, it does not give you the same 
feeling. It does not give you no. the same experience, mm -hmm. especially in the context of like, hey, let's uh, sit down and communicate openly about what we're feeling <laughs> and slow down. We got to drop in now. Like yeah. that just doesn't happen. Well, I feel yeah. like you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you guys do? Like how have you guys kind of waded through those waters over the past year? Um, well, I mean, there were, we definitely could communicate like, Hey, you know, you're really pressuring me or, or him being like, Hey, I really need you to be on board with this because this is going to help me or whatever. Um, which that, you know, is all said and done good. But then, you know, we had to reach out to an outside counselor too, because it was just taking its toll of like, I'm not, I'm not going to feel bad that I'm not moving at the same rate as you anymore. I can't, you know, and if you expect some new woman out of your experience, that's not going to happen. Um, so in that, I think seemed to help a lot more um, just because he realized that it was a different thing and I am a different person and things that matter to me are totally different than what matters to him. But it doesn't mean that we still can't be married. Like I don't have to enjoy everything he does in order for this relationship to work. And I think that that's something that it taught us. Yeah. Big yeah. Time. I definitely came home and went into fix it mode and that was probably the wrong mode. But also a good mode, but maybe not to me, because I'm also the person where if they're like, you shouldn't do that. And I'm like, mm, guess what I'm going to do? <laughs> so it was... We're eating pizza tonight, motherfucker. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's spinach on it. <laughs> Here's your kale. But yeah, no. So, I mean, and that was fine. And then also, I mean, the thing is, is like he has the meetings at our house every Monday. So I go and I work a part-time job, like one or two nights a week, just so our house is open for the meetings. So it's like, well, every Monday he has a meeting at our house. I'm like just working still, you know? So I have, you know, we've had to have those conversations before of being like, okay, but you still are like purging. You're still doing this counseling session every week. I'm still just, you know, on my feet making minimum wage at the mall just so I can like, just so there is a space for that. So there was a certain time in our relationship where I felt like I wasn't kind of getting the props of like, look at, because I'm allowing like myself to go out and do things like you can still get better. Like it kind of almost irritated me that it was like the year of Sean kind of thing <laughs> where it was like, when are we going to fucking talk about me? Like, I need some help here too. But so obviously I've gotten way over that. <laughs> but I really, I really have gotten over a lot of it to the point of where like, you can just honestly say, you know what, just right now I just need it to be about me and I'm just going to go downstairs. I'm just going to paint for a little bit and I'll be back up later. You know? And he's like, that's cool. Just check in later. You know? So we give ourselves that space when we need it. But in general, I mean, it was, it was needed and necessary, but it's necessary really for both parties too. Yeah. It would have been helpful to have some kind of reintegration with the spouse. Yeah. Big yeah. Time. What would that look like? You think? I think that, I think that they should have asked 
some questions of like what are I don't know like maybe just trying to figure out what well it's the way I described it with other people was that I felt like I got a brand new Ferrari and had no idea how to drive it so I was just crashing into everything but flooring it everywhere Mm -hmm. you know and it probably would have been or it probably would have been better for me if they said, okay, this is, this might be how the next couple months of your life go. And this Mm -hmm. is probably how your wife's going to see it. And you're going to be totally blind to it, but pay attention, (laughs) you know, like there, there is kind of a a reintegration at the end there, but it's, it's more of how are you going to take this skills back into your like everyday life? It's, it's, it's not about how other people are going to perceive you now and how you're going to perceive them. Because I did. I came home. I hit the ground running and I was just like, let's go. I got all the answers. You yeah. know, and she's like, where are you going? You know, I, it's okay. Just follow me. Exactly. <laughs> I'm putting on my shoes. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's the reintegration with like a spouse or significant other. I, I don't know what that looks like, but maybe, maybe some guidance as to your because one of the things we we do obviously is slow down but i didn't take that first obvious step home to that situation i just went 100 miles an hour and just said let's go and instead of going saying okay let's slow down you know this is how i'm going this is what i'm going through this is what i've discovered what what do i need to do to still like bring that into our relationship without just running you over. Yeah. Cause you come home on fire. Like you yeah. come home very much lit up, ready to fucking go yeah. inspired, excited. Finally, it feels hopeful, right? Mm-hmm. Finally, I have direction. Finally, I have answers. Finally, I have the strength and the ability to, to move throughout my life now in a way that feels good and I'm excited for. So you're super raring to go. And I had like a significant drop off where it was like, and it wasn't long. It was like maybe two weeks of that really good positive feeling. And then it starts to fade and starts to fade. And the next thing you know, you're like, fuck, it's like a month out. And I feel, I still feel shitty. I still feel miserable. I'm right back into some patterns and routines and behaviors that like, what the hell? This isn't making sense. Why is this happening? Mm-hmm. Baby, what did it feel like? Um, like what she talked about, like, you know, me coming home and you spent the week, you know, taking care of the kids and shopping and I was out there in Yellowstone, you know, lifting mountains. Well, that happens quite a bit. You're gone quite a no, not lifting. You're. It's like this is why it was just a little bit easier for me. On that is, you're gone a lot, and it is up to me, which is hard to, like. I guess it's hard to. Um, It's just easier for me to take care of things in the sense because you have your things that you take care of, you know, cooking. Um, that was, I cannot do that. <laughs> um, poor kids when you're gone. Um, but I'm so used to having it up to me and that you being gone and I just have to take care of things that like you're gone and I have to take care of things. Like I got used to you being gone. And another thing is like 
it's not just a new Ferrari for you. Like you have went through a lot of sport cars <laughs> and I am used to you finding something and being like, oh, oh this uh-huh. is what it is and going and going. I'm like, ah, oh, this is, here we go again. <laughs> what's what's yep. Craig changing up now? So that, you know, choom, 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 jumping from one thing to another is something that I've learned how to just navigate around. Um It, I don't know. There was, you know, I, I do have recognition of that. And when you're saying that, I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. But I was also also pretty well adapted to always feeling like I was never at your level anyways. So all of a sudden you're at this level and I'm still here. It's like that was old potatoes for me. You know, yeah, of course. Of course he's catapulting here. Don't worry. I've got this. I'm taking kids here. I'm going to this. I'm, I've got it all. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Go do what you're going to do because I have all this and yeah, I really need something too, but there's no time for me. Mm-hmm. There's no, how the hell am I going to pay for this? No, we, oh, you're going to this one now. Okay. Off you go, Craig. Everything. Yeah. That's what you need. I've got this. And it's super like, that makes me sound kind of like an ass and I'm sorry, but God, it gets frustrating. It gets so frustrating. And then, like, I don't, I don't know what happened to me. Like, I had, I've, it's been building, you know, from leaving my job, from deciding I'm going to do things, little things that have been like, okay, this is about me. And, like, <laughs> this is what it feels like. I've, it's not doing it out of spite because, yeah, how do you like it? It's, okay, I'm, I've made it not about me enough. So this one's going to be about me. And, then it's, you know, jumping into it like, okay, this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And then kind of looking like we're still okay. <laughs> yeah, we're good. Okay, keep going. You know, I was going to go anyways, but I'm glad you're here. And I guess like all these accomplishments and things that I've been doing, I don't even know when it was. It was a few months ago. Something just like in me and snapped. And it was like, oh, okay. It is okay if I make some things about me. It is okay if I take time from me. I don't have to be readily available for him when he's home and make sure that I'm not doing anything Mm -hmm. when he's home because he's been gone. So I need to give him all of my attention because now he's here Mm -hmm. and he's always out on the road. And it's not that he's always out on the road, expeditions, footloose and fancy free. He works. He's working his butt off. So we have this house that I can hustle over and take care of the kids in. You know, he is providing for us. Um But I didn't have to make every readily available moment that you were here about you. And I didn't have time to make it about me when you were gone because I always had to take care of the kids Mm -hmm. um, who are fine to spend a little bit of time by themselves. But that switched in me and I started just doing things, um, reading and finding these like everything started lining up. And I knew I wanted to go on to a retreat, but... I was just searching. It wasn't like one retreat, any retreat will do. It'll be something for me. It was like, ah, oh, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel right. And then when I found the one that felt right and I was like, oh, oh gosh, the price, the oh, who, and you were my biggest cheerleader for it. You're like, yeah, no, we can do this. You need to do this. And so super supportive of me going on that. And, you know, there's still times when I don't go to the things that I want to do because I'd rather stay with you. I was like, I like you. I miss you. You're, you're fun to hang out with too. Um, but you're supportive of when I do go for the most part, you know, it's, 
it really took that shift of me, me changing me in a sense and saying, it's okay that it's a, it's about me and that I get in my Ferrari and floor it and say, like, well, right. what's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> I love that explanation of it. That was perfect. I can just see you so many different cars and like, Rawr! but you know, you never hit anything. I'm the one that was crashing to stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for saying that. That was like, oh yeah, that was just my, my normal. I didn't realize how much of an impact that actually was because I was just used to it. So yeah. thank you, Jill. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a big thing, right? It's something that I hadn't even thought about that reintegration because it's not something that was really talked about even I mean it was mentioned I think probably in some minor context but there wasn't a lot of time given to it or even just like practical um you know possibilities or expectations or steps right Right. that you're going to go home and this is what it's going to potentially feel like it's not going to necessarily feel like this for everybody but there's a chance that you're going to go home and you're going to feel powerful and you're going to feel strong and you're going to feel inspired and you're going to feel ready to take on all of life's challenges now that you have this immense skill set that we just developed over the past week. Um, but you're going to be alone in that in some context. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how do you, how, how do you move through that? And obviously it's the same fucking implementation, right? Slow down, like feel and communicate and listen, right? It's really easy, but it's not easy in practice. It's no, not no, you just want to go. Yeah. Yeah. I know that we've gone through stages, babe, of like, cause I think our level of communication and commitment, not commitment is, you know, not in the space of our, even though our commitment to our relationship, um, but our commitment to one another and to ourselves, but also like the deep seated, like bond that you and I have has definitely grown over the past year but I think our level of communication has improved massively Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of it has stemmed from from that work from the you know opportunity to slow down and connect and open up and listen you know and it, it is implementing some of the same kind of techniques or practices or even just the concepts and ideas that we kind of took away from the expedition but that was definitely a challenge and, you know, there was a big learning curve to that as well. Would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so much of it, like, like how Sean was saying is like, oh, that's something that I don't like. But so many times when, like, my big thing, I would I would disconnect and shut off until I was so full of like, raw that everything just poured out and not the most healthy way. Um but it really was like every time I tried to communicate on how I was feeling or why this didn't work or what, you would get very angry and then like flip it on me that I'm projecting that and this is what I'm doing. And because of this and so much, I would actually believe it, you know, like, oh, this is my fault. You know, it's not hard to convince somebody that already thinks it's all their fault. So it's not like you were, you know, super puppet master. It's like, I was ready to believe it was my fault anyways. So I just looked for that opportunity to be like, yep, I thought it was me. Um, And so, so much of it, I felt like I had to, you know, fix me, fix all this to where you were open to that shift that, you know, Sean had that, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe it's really not all her that's making me crazy. Maybe that's some of the things in here. 
I'm like, just, you know, I can still make you crazy. I I have Mm -hmm. that ability, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's not all me. And for you to see that. And so we can work at it both ways. And I think that's been, that's been really big. Yeah. It's been really big. Um, Sean, a year later, what do you feel has been some of the most impactful changes in your life? Well, the most impactful change, I mean, the, was just pulling out of the hole. Um, and since I've done that, it's, it's opened up the world. It's, it's made the world available to me again. Um, I think a lot of the things that I dug out on the expedition were things that were essentially, they were anchors that were holding me down and you don't realize how heavy some of those things are because you just suppress it and forget about it. Um, but being able to dig those things back up and look at them in the face and say goodbye to them, so to speak. Um, I think that was the most impactful thing because I came home and said, okay, you know, like it's being alive is a good thing. It's, it's not a burden. It's not something we're waiting out. It's not a sentence. It's, you know, it's, it's something that we can enjoy and wanting to enjoy again and being able to enjoy again was the most impactful thing I think I got from that. Cause when you don't enjoy anything and you don't want if you, do, you don't want, you're just like waiting for everything to end. That's an awful, awful way to live. And when, when we kind of got rid of that and like the sun came out again, it, it, I mean, it energized me. Like you were saying, you came, you come home like energized and it, I think it stuck with me. It's, it's, I don't think it faded as much for me as you say it did for you. It like didn't just go away. I mean, I've, I've plateaued here and there and I've stumbled back a couple times just in mood. Um, but wanting to live and wanting to be happy and I don't know, that was, that was just huge for me. Just wanting to be alive. I mean, I think that's the most impactful thing. I don't really know where to go from there. That's a pretty big thing. (laughs) I can see the impact of that. That's a pretty big thing to uh, walk away from finally having a want, a desire to live. Yeah. And not just wait out the clock. Yeah. No, I was before, before that I was, I was begging for something to just come take me like, you know, just like somebody tell me I'm going to get hit by a car tomorrow. Just like, just a, a respectable way to be done. Yeah. Do you still have, uh, like moments of fear as far as like, cause I, th- this is the way I look at it now. I feel completely different than I was a year ago. Um, and Steph teases me cause I, ha- I have said these things numerous times where it's like, I feel so much different than I've ever felt before in my life. And it's true at the time. And it's true now that I say that I feel massively different um, on so many different levels. I feel, I feel evolved more than I ever have before. And, but I have fear of like regression. I have fear that 
I'm going to, you know, fall back into old routines and old patterns. And I remember so clearly how they felt, even though at the time I didn't have clarity in regards to the feelings that I was experiencing. It was just, you know, kind of like a, uh, um, I mean, it's just chaos, right? When you surround yourself in chaos, a lot of times you stop realizing that you're in chaos. But looking back, I can see how, how I felt during those time periods and how I felt the majority of the time in my life. And I don't ever want to feel that way again. And so I have fear of like, fuck, if I, you know, if I mess up or if I have a, you know, an off week or if I have an off month or something like that. But the cool thing is like in the past year, I've had those experiences. Like I've had an off week, like I've had like maybe March, March, April, uh, was like an maybe March, April, May. <laughs> there was like a August, August. Uh, but there are time periods where it's off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And but yet I sit here today and I'm positive. I feel good. Like we talked at the very beginning. Like by and large, I'm like at a seven. You know, I feel really, really fucking good about so many different things. So I haven't backslid, but there's still this fear surrounding that, where, you know that's a possibility because I've always had moments in my life where I have felt really positive about where I was at and the steps and the progress that I have made. And then undoubtedly I had massive backslides. Do you know what I mean? But this feels so much differently than all those other experiences. But that's also something I've said before where it's like, I feel so much different than I've ever felt before. Um, so it's this uncertainty and doubt. And when I feel that, um, 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 I'm going to edit out all of those ums. When I, when I first started the podcast, I used to edit out ums because they were super fucking annoying to me when I would hear them. I would hear the person I was interviewing and I'd hear all their ums or I'd hear all of the ums that I would say or any of the things that we use to hold space and those, you know, silence moments in between the words that we say. And I used to go back and edit them all out. And then I'm like, fuck that. It takes too much time. But every now and then I'll hear them and I'm like, oh, damn it. Maybe I'll just take that one out. <laughs> we don't need that. Um, um, there we go. <laughs> and it's so natural too. I don't even remember what the fuck I was saying. What was I slipping back? Yeah. 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 Like it feels way different now. And what I do now, when I have that feeling of like <coughs> the fear surrounding that, then that's my opportunity to slow down and recognize that feeling, recognize that fear, feel it, be in the space of feeling that fear. And then I, reiterate in my head like that internal dialogue I was talking about earlier as well as like really take stock and look like okay these are all the reasons why that's not going to happen these are all the reasons why I am in the place that I'm in and in the process of slowing down and connecting to myself and feeling through my emotions and allowing all of these things to come up because I think it's natural to have that fear um that has now everybody's just going to sit for the rest of the fucking episode and hear ums um that process has helped immensely. Yeah. 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 I would. I, I, nope. You go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, was, I, I could I definitely feel what you're saying right there. Like my biggest fear right now and the thing that fucks me up the most is going back is having that that depression feeling again, that feeling of when's this going to be over. And it's it's one of those things I I when I feel myself slipping, like in my men's group, I'm just like, okay, this is what I'm feeling. Let's get to the bottom of this right now. And I've just, 
when we were talking about, we went to outside help to kind of like a translator for both of us to talk to each other. She mentioned, you know, me being scared to falling back into oppression. And that made me well up just her saying that. So it's just, yeah, that's absolutely a big, big fear of mine is sliding back into it. But there are definitely, we have tools now to kind of get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Baby, what were you going to say? I'm glad you said that because it may apply to you too. Um, <laughs> I'm doing it. Yeah, everybody, <laughs> the listener out there, ignore the fucking ums. Uh, ah. So, there. I understand that fear because I have the same so many things, Sean, that you have said. I'm just over here like, good for you for having the guts to say that because I know what that feels like. And I can say some shit, but I can't say those things. And it just... I feel that so strong. I'm like, keep going. So one thing that I've had that helps with that is when I'm afraid, when I'm struggling with the self-worth at the moment, when I'm having these things, it's like, oh yeah, but you know what I have now that I've never had before? I now know what it feels like to feel like this. I now know what it feels like on the other side. And before I did not know what it felt like on the other side. Mm -hmm. I had no clue. It was, you know, you got to love yourself. You got all these things. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. My idea of um, taking care of yourself from the examples that I had seen was throwing everybody away and just worrying about you and um, doing unhealthy things because you're the only one that mattered. So I didn't even have an example to draw from on what it looked like to take time for yourself, take something for yourself. And it never occurred to me that I would ever know what it felt like to not be miserable and to not be sad and to not think I was worthless and just, you know, wait for it to be done, you know? Um, but I know what it feels like now. And you know what it feels like now. And we notice when we're s slipping. I'm like, okay, I have awareness of that. What can I do? Like you say with your groups. So it's not as scary to slip. Because you don't know what you're reaching for when you've never felt it before. And now we know what we're reaching for. So right. I'm like, okay, I can see this. I know what this feels like. And I much rather feel like this. Um, so that gives me a little bit of peace. And Baby, what about this is making you feel so much? All of it. <laughs> and then this one's for you. Um, when you, you have said, I've never felt this. I've never felt this good before. I feel better than I've ever felt so many times. You have said that. Uh, I believe what's different at this point and which maybe will help with some of your fears. Every time you've said that before, while it was true, you were on the progression. You were also not doing the things that you said made you different as to where at this point, I believe that, you know, only you have this answer, but I believe you are embodying those things. So it's not, yes, you're saying the same words, but you're saying them very differently because you are living it now as opposed to, oh, I've never felt this way. Everything's fine. Everything's better. Things are great. And don't look over here because it's really all the same shit. It's go ahead and look over there. There's nothing there. I've never felt better than right now. I feel like I'm doing things differently because you are. So that makes it okay to say without the fear. You're, you get to say that from a standpoint of you're doing things differently. Yeah. Yeah. I can go take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what else I was going to say. I'm sorry. 
No, you're good. I had something else I was going to add, and I don't remember what it was. Well, the good thing about knowing the other side now is that when you you feel immediately when you're slipping. Yes. Which is very helpful. Because before, when I was going into the depression, it, it was very, very gradual over a long period of time. But now, you just notice it immediately. You're just like, okay, something's off. Let's get in there. Yeah, it's like your barometer, right? Your internal barometer that can register small, subtle shifts and changes in your emotional well-being. And like how the barometer will notice the temperature, cha- not the temperature change, but pressure. like pressure change, even before we'll notice it. And you can gauge whether or not a storm's coming, right? Given off of the uh, barometer. And it's the same kind of thing. Like it's super fine-tuned now where you can notice what's wrong something's wrong i'm not feeling good something's up and and you know now you have a practice in place to implement and bring it back to awareness and centeredness and being able to connect to what that thing is i like that i like that metaphor like our whole life is just metaphor we just sit around and speak in metaphors all the time (laughs) metaphors sound effects and hand gestures (laughs) yeah And ums. And ums. And ums. Maybe, maybe we can start saying om. om. That'll be our center. Om. That sounds really stupid. I'm doing it from om. now on. <laughs> Enjoy. You're welcome. Thank you, Joe. Om. Let me think. You're, you're, maybe that's your, your buying time. Centering yourself. Finding that om. There you go, baby. Let's replace ums with ohms. I'm doing it. We just changed the world. <laughs> one ohm at a time (laughs) well guys i appreciate you very very much for taking the time to be on the podcast it is kind of a weird thing and it's kind of a hard thing and i really don't like episodes of the podcast where we don't talk about important things i do like learning about other people and i like hearing their stories and i like talking about silly stuff and we can definitely continue on and talk about silly stuff but i really like conversations like the ones that we just had because i think they're they're the kind of conversations that I like to have. It's the kind of stuff that I like to think about and talk about and share. And I appreciate you guys uh, showing up. Oh, thank you. It's been super impactful. Like, I think like this is the integrated session that you're talking about because we have talked about his experience and kind of where I'm at so much, but I have not been able to talk to somebody else that's went and to somebody else's spouse and to get that, Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think to say that. Yeah. Yeah. So just having that, getting that completely different perspective, because while you guys like he can explain it and I can hear it, but I can't understand it to the point of what it felt like. And you guys had the same experience, but you guys had a very unique, you guys went to the same place, but it was still individualized. So I'm getting a completely different perception from you and from your wife, Jill. It's just, like you've given me so much to think about and process. I just feel like I have such a better understanding now. It's like, thank you yeah, for saying the things that thing. I didn't even think. Thank you. Same thing. It's awesome. Well, thank you guys. Anything else you want to throw out before we wrap up? Um. Um. <laughs> go sporting. <laughs> Society does say men can't cry. Men can't talk about feelings. Men are just supposed to provide and suck it up and and whatever and it's okay for a woman to be that way being alive is a good thing it's not a burden it's not something we're waiting out it's not a sentence it's something that we can enjoy you know like (laughs) what are you doing what do you mean we can't order pizza anymore this is bullshit
this is what I'm going through. This is what I've discovered. What do I need to do to still bring that into our relationship without just running you over? 